I think that a lot of people do know some Aboriginal people that just don't realise it. You look at my mum, she's English, you look at my dad, he's Aboriginal, and look at me, I'm a bit in between. <laughs> I haven't got the flat nose anymore, I sometimes wish I did. You know, just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't mean I have a flag tattooed to my forehead. Like most of them call me Auntie Lynn, and I'm happy to be their auntie, even though that I'm not. Because I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. Meet the Mob, a podcast from 1233 ABC Newcastle with Jill Emberson. Subscribe at abc.net.au slash Newcastle. It's lunchtime at Hunter River High School in Raymond Terrace, where I'm meeting this morning the Aboriginal Education Officer, Brooke Roach. Hey, Brooke, how's your day going here at school? Perfect. The sun's out. Why are my sons smiling on us? And I suppose... This is what spring's about. So. It's a beautiful time of year, isn't it? Absolutely. But in terms of the school year, we're starting to head towards a bit the end of the year. How's the uh, mood and vibe of the kids that you support here? Uh, they're getting a bit anxious, you know, like all of us at school. So I just think, you know, coming up to the big break and locally we've got the Aboriginal knockouts coming up. So we're going to have several thousand Aboriginal faces in Raymond Terrace which I think is great because they're looking forward to see family members they haven't seen for a long time. So so the knockout really has a, an impact on the school community? Absolutely. It, it generates, I suppose, um, general interest within the community, the non-Aboriginal community and the Aboriginal community. It's like um, a lot of our families will cater for families that are coming from out, out bush, so they'll stay, they'll camp in tents, in backyards. You know, it's, it's the modern-day corroboree for our people. How many Aboriginal kids are there in the school community here at Hunter River High? We've got roughly about 100 Aboriginal kids. Out of a school population of how many? 723. So that's about a seventh of the kids here are Aboriginal? Yeah. I wasn't aware that there was such a significant population of Aboriginal kids here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the modern day now, it's become more safe to come out and say you are Aboriginal. So you find a lot of these kids now, parents are saying, yeah, our heritage is Aboriginal, and they're going back to their roots, and they're proud of it. Do you know, back when I was at school when I was a kid, we sort of hid the fact because it was, you know, frowned upon and there were certain things put into place if you were Aboriginal. Did you do that? I was always worried you know that maybe dogs might come around and take us kids and that was all in the back of my head because it happened to my um my family my mum's nan and that's been passed down i i sort of deal with it a lot now with other kids transgenerational i suppose hurt and it's hard to let go of that because you don't really understand it because it's been passed down for generations and we sort of find it hard to deal with how do you deal with it I suppose I go back to the roots of who I am as a person. I go back to what I like. I go back to elders within the community. And I learn. I learn more about who I am as a person, how I'm connected, and I suppose share that with kids. And that's that's how I get along now. That, that gets me by. Where did you grow up? Where is your family from? When you say family... I get two things there. I say, you know, family is a lot of people, a lot of people that I hold in respect. 
because I believe if you give somebody respect and loyalty and they give it back to you, that then is family. But we talk about blood relations then, who am I related to? I have a lot of different relatives down in Sydney. I have some in Moree, which um, I don't get to see much, both that both them families. And I also have family local and from Tinga, so. Okay, so there's a lot of roaches and relatives right across the state almost. There is, there's relatives everywhere. And as I said, there's a lot, there's a lot of brothers and sisters, half brother and sister that I've met. So that's one thing I want to do one day. Raymond Terrace is where you work, but is that home for you now? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone knows me in the community. Uh, the bank owns my house at the moment. So until I, I suppose I pay them off, I don't, I don't think I'm going anywhere because I enjoy helping out our own community. And I say our because, you know, it takes a lot of people in the community to raise kids and that's what I believe. You've been here for what, seven or eight years here in this role as the Aboriginal Education Officer. What's one or two of the things that you're most proud of? A lot of kids that I work with before I come to work in the high school, I, I worked in the doc system as mentor for Aboriginal kids. So like taking them out on outings, fishing, getting back to those grassroots where we missed out. So, you know, all that sort of stuff. I worked at the primary school as well, so Ram Terrace Primary. I'd worked there for roughly three years before I come here. So the best thing I've seen is to see these kids grow through primary school and high school and beyond and come back to the school and work beside me helping and mentoring these kids. What kind of qualifications have you got for the work that you do? I had to study for my Aboriginal Education Certificate 3, which I did that and I gained that. And I also, whilst in the job, so in the Aboriginal Education Officer's job, I went, I went to Sydney and done block release, um, distance education, and I, I'm now a qualified counsellor to work in New South Wales. So I got my diploma in psychology. When did you do that? I finished last year in March. Okay, so that's fairly recent to be getting those kind of qualifications. Why did you leave it till now? I left it till now because I did, as I meant, touched on before, you know, I didn't have a very good uh, relationship with school when I was young. There wasn't a lot out there to help. Um, there was no real big incentives for education. It wasn't valued. Also, I had issues with my ears, both sides. What kind of issues? I was born with perforated eardrums. I had five perforations in my left side and seven in my right side. And what difference did that make to your hearing? I couldn't hear at all. I just thought everyone couldn't. <laughs> so I was an athlete and I'd like to run a lot and swim a lot and I'd represent the school a lot in those sports. But the other downside to that is my ears were always infected because of the perforations. Why didn't your parents take you to the doctor to get something done about it? We went to the specialist a few times and I suppose money was an issue going to see the specialist all the time. I got different um, powders to put in my ear all the time, which didn't really help at all. Just made matters worse. And I suppose, looking back now, and I wish I, wish I had got it done. When did you get them sorted out? I was 25 when I actually got them done. 
and right up until then you couldn't hear very well? Yeah, that's right. I, certain days I, I could hear really well, you know, but if there was a lot of wind or if, if I was swimming or running, then my ears would be infected straight away and they'd start leak, start to leak. So the, the um, actual pus that come from the ear was very discomforting and I used to block my ears all the time. That's horrible. Did you know anyone else that had that problem in your world? No, I didn't. How lonely. Yeah, it was very very embarrassing because sitting in the classroom and maybe all I had was a bit of toilet tissue to um, soak up the, you know, all the infection. So it was really embarrassing. Half, half the time during school, I used to roll up tissues and put them in my ear and walk around so it wouldn't leak down my face. I can't imagine anything like that happening, but I have read the statistics about those ear problems with Aboriginal people, so it's kind of powerful to hear your personal story but it's got a good ending because you actually had them sorted out at the age of 25 what difference did that make to your life to your ears and to your life I just think it made the world a difference because now I don't have that discomfort I suppose I have more confidence within myself to be able to go places and like go swimming and do all those things that I used to have to miss out on because I was just too embarrassed if my ears started playing up. And now I can I can hear a lot better. My balance is a lot better. I, I suppose every aspect within my education got, you know, seemed to take in a lot more. But you left it till you were 25. Why so long? I had to sort of wait until I left my parents and got a stable job so I could actually pay for a medical. So... Under the medical, that's when I was able to, after a year within the medical, I was able to get the operation done. Under your health insurance? Yes. Was it costly? It was costly, but I suppose not. Long run, it doesn't really matter because I'm, I'm enjoying it now. How tough was the operation? Pretty tough. They, what they had to do is they had to cut behind my ears and skin graft the actual eardrum, so each side. And the downfall to that was they could only do one at a si- one at a time, and I had to shower for months with a um, styrofoam cup around my ear, which was very, very discomforting. And not very attractive. No. <laughs> and not very comfortable at night, I imagine. No, it wasn't. I, I, I think um, the biggest thing too was the irritation from the stitches behind the ear. Brooke Roach, with me, Jill Emerson on Meet the Mob on 12.33 ABC Newcastle. Brooke, you talked about being a bit sporty, a bit athletic at school. Are you still athletic? I'm still active in sport. I play rugby league. I play for the Aboriginal teams. I play for Newcastle Yowies, which has been a great team. That's the only team I've ever played for in the Aboriginal knockout. So I've been there for roughly 16, 17 years. So very loyal. I also played a lot of football, rugby league outside, within our community, uh, at Tea Gardens. I've also played a lot of representative. I played for the Australian Aboriginal team, under-25s, New South Wales team, it's Aboriginal team. I've played at um, the Roosters in the lower, lower grades and also at the Knights. What position do you play? I started as a centre. I'm stuck in the front row now, so... Sounds like you still love it. Yeah, I still have a passion for it. As I said, rugby league's been one of the things that have kept me together, you know, like 
building around teamwork and togetherness and it's kept me busy and a lot of kids that have grown up in the area that I have had a choice to go either way and I believe that rugby league showed me the better you know the more positive road to travel so that's why I think I owe back to rugby league. Who are you backing to win the NRL this year? Rabbitohs (laughs) for sure. Rabbitohs has been my team for day one. Brooke, you said you've got a strong relationship with the bank in terms of a mortgage over your house. <laughs> have you got a family of yours in that house? Tell me about them. I sure do. I have three sons. I have a son that attends the high school I work at. He's um, 15, turning 16. Great kid. Well, they're all great. They've all got lovely manners. Though I just couldn't ask for any better. So I've got one that's in high school. One that's in primary school, he's 11. I've got one in um, preschool, which is three. Okay, so it's a Boise place at your place. Yeah, it sure is. I, I, I like it. So I'm, I'm married, so the wife sort of, she might kick us out a fair few times and make us go fishing. But I think, you know, it works out good because I, I love spending time with kids. And especially when you have a, you've created them, I think, you know, you can be a dad by giving birth to kids, but I think the most important aspect about that is being a father, being there for them and providing for them as they're growing up. So that's that's something that I enjoy because I missed out on that in my, my youth. So that's, Your dad wasn't around? Nah. You're talking about being positive for yourself and your immediate family and obviously your role here at school. That would suggest to me that you need to leave a little bit of time for having some fun. Do you, what do you do in your spare time when you're not playing football? We go to the movies a lot. We go out for dinner a lot to, you know, just to get together and have a talk. And my wife uh, runs a restaurant with her mother, which is, you know, she's quite busy all the time. But I do have a piece of heaven up at um, Foster. I have a permanent caravan site up there. So I'm able to take my kids up there. And not only that, but a couple of other kids that I do spend a bit of time around. Are you someone that goes fishing? I go fishing a lot. I have a boat, sort of go out deep sea fishing. So I like to um, take my three-year-old out. He likes to watch the whales and watch the dolphins and the sharks. He might sit there for a bit and then once we catch a fish, he's straight up, like he's real fascinated. So he's been able to tell stories at preschool, which kids at high school should be telling. (laughs) So he's really water confident? Oh, absolutely. So will the roaches be heading to Foster for the Christmas school holidays? Absolutely. Every year we head up there, so I'll be heading up there. It's been great to meet you, Brooke. Uh, Enjoy the Christmas holidays and getting toward the end of the school year 2014. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose up the Yowies for 2014 as well. (laughs) You've been listening to a 1233 ABC Newcastle podcast. For more, visit our website at abc.net.au slash newcastle. 